Hello and welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast. I'm Jason Sroden. Today we're getting to know my good friend and partner, Jason Marasini. Jace, how are you? I'm good. Have we uh, have we met? Yeah, we've met. We're both named Jason. We're basically the same person to most of our clients. Yes, yes. We're just one really responsive guy who doesn't sleep. <laughs> I love it. It's like the best thing ever. So, um, Jace, um, I've been interviewing a lot of our staff today, and I do have like a base set of questions I'm going to ask you, but... You know, you started the company with Trey back in 2007. I, I didn't come in, or 2006? I can't even remember now. 2006, like, we started doing stuff. We officially incorporated February 2nd, or no, February 7th, uh, I apologize, uh, 2007. And then I joined in November. So Correct. a l- little yes. bit of a gap. Um, but how did you and Trey, you know, how did it all go down? We were all working at XYTV. Then what happened when that shut down? Uh, so, well, a number of things. One, uh, you know, everybody kind of went back into the into the freelance pool. And hang on one second because I have music playing in my office. And I'm going to turn it down. No worries. What are you listening right, to? There we go. I was listening to Beat Killer. Nice. All right. So, uh, yeah. So XY uh, stops operating. We all kind of go back to freelancing. I had, uh, I was still freelance editing a fair bit at the time. So I just sort of put all my, all my effort, at least in the short term, into, into freelance editing and doing post stuff. But uh, Trey and I also, you know, kind of after the shock of that uh, wore off, got to talking about how, you know, we were just tired of, I guess, two things. One, like having to, we'd, we'd been around, you know, the business of video production enough to know, to have really strong opinions about if we were driving the boat, how we would do it. And just seeing, you know, we, we had the pleasure of working for a lot of really great people uh, with a really great team, but there were definitely, you know, operational and functional things that, I always thought, man, if I was making decisions, I could do this better. Like there are, there are ways to do this smarter and more efficiently and, and more effectively where you're going to get a better, a better end result. And then I think too, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with that is we're just tired of producing only other people's content, like just other people's ideas. And that's, you know, you can only do that for so long. It's a great way to learn, but eventually you're going to want to, to be executing your own stuff. And Trey and I both had a pretty, pretty decent network uh, back here in Atlanta where we both grew up. Uh, probably me more so, uh, just on the business end of things, and started to really, you know, talk with some seriousness about the idea of starting our own thing. Atlanta seemed like a good choice for a lot of reasons. One, uh, you know, the the landscape had changed quite a bit since we lived here. Like I went, I went to college in Boston because there was nothing going on in the film and television community. And then eight years later, I ended up moving back here because it was such a hotbed Yeah, because of the tax credits. There was so much going on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, there was that, there was, you know, obviously your dollar goes a lot further, uh, in the Atlanta market than it does in Boston. Uh, so cost of living was one thing. If you're, if you're going to be starting something new, it's nice to have that advantage. So that's sort of where the conversation started. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days like it was yesterday when you guys were starting out. Um, when and you guys had always wanted to have a production company. You used to joke about it as kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the the uh, 
that's, <laughs> I guess, deep cut. We can we can share this on a podcast. It'll be buried pretty pretty deep in the website. But uh, that was the original name of the company that where ECG Productions comes from, and it's different than what you know on legally on paper it stands for something else. It stands for Entertainment Creative Group Productions Incorporated. That's what if you ask the Secretary of State, that's what it means. <laughs> but uh, we all know that what we used to joke about as kids, uh, particularly like, you know, the summers where you would just have nothing to do but hang out at the pool and watch MTV was right around the time when, you know, Snoop and Dre and gangster rap was kind of, you know, at the forefront. And that was oh, the glory. Yeah, that was, yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. I mean, it was great times. Uh, but we used to joke about, cause you know, Snoop and Dre used to talk about being from LBC from Long Beach. And so we used to sort of in a tongue in cheek way joke about the ECG, which was the East Cobb ghetto. And if you've been to East Cobb, you know that it is not that it is, you know, <laughs> a very, very vanilla white uh, community with lots of yard of the month club and people are on <laughs> tennis teams and, you know, everybody goes to Whole Foods and shit. Uh, so it was, you know, it was, it was sort of a self-deprecating uh, gag. But we used to jo joke about that. We're like, yeah, man, you know, if we ever start a company, we got to call it ECG Productions. And, you know, way, way later in life, when it came time to actually have a name for the company, we're like, we have to. Like, we have to do it. <laughs> you had to. That's a great, that's a great origin story. So let me get into some of my, like, get to know Jace questions. So some of these I already know the answers to, but I'm asking for the benefit of our audience. Okay, hopefully but, I know the answers yes, to I, Yeah, well, you, you probably don't know this one because you're adopted. Where were you born? <laughs> no, I do know that one. <laughs> I know that one. No, I was born at, uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia at Northside Hospital, the same place where both my kids were born. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that. See, I learned something new. Um, wh what do you, what is like your like title at ECG Productions or what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. So this is, it's funny because we've been obviously, you know, we're to put a, to put a timestamp on this. This is obviously during pandemic time. So it's been a lot of paperwork for, uh, you know, SBA and, and what have you. Uh, so I am, I have a number of different titles depending on what we're talking about. So on paper with the secretary of state, I am the president and CEO of ECG productions. Uh, as far as day to day or like what it says on my business card, uh, I'm one of the three partners, obviously with yourself and Trey, and I am the head of post-production operations. So I run the, uh, the post arm of the company. Yeah, which is a, a gigantic arm at this point. What tech, we just moved into a state-of-the-art facility that you did much of the design and, and for, I mean, post-production is such a huge part of our business and you're really good at that kind of stuff. Tell me what you did with the, the post division and, and our size and suites and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, you know, obviously wanting, wanting to move and feeling that itch uh, was very motivated by a lot of different things. And we've always, you know, every time we move to a new space, we kind of, we get a, you know, a little further along, but we never, up until now, we've never really been able to do it exactly how we wanted as far as suite layout, as far as number of suites, as far as uh, having a separation or more of a separation between supervised and non-supervised uh, client suites. And we were able to do all those things here. So we, at the old office, especially towards the end, when we were just, we were growing faster than we could move to a new space. So we had multiple editors, in some cases, in the same room, which is not ideal, obviously. Uh, 
you know, editing and headphones is fine some, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not the best for, for productivity. It's not the best for being able to, to focus. Yeah. So we now, you know, on the, on the very simple end of it, everybody, everybody on the post team has a door now. Like if they want to be in their suite, locked away, ready to grind and just, you know, focus and go down the rabbit hole, they can. Uh, but we still have a lot of communal spaces too. So all the departments in the company now have a commons. So a common area where they can have meetings, they can watch finished products, they can just do, you know, inspiration sessions where, hey, let's all, you know, let's all watch stuff that's sort of getting us psyched right now and maybe come up with some ideas for new projects or things we want to try. Uh, so we have on the post end, we have post-production commons, which is right at the front of the building. Uh, you know, it's got a full bar. It's got plenty of great seating, giant TV, uh, ability to stream stuff from from any suite in the building, all that stuff. But we've also got dedicated supervised suites now, which we had, technically we had one supervised suite at the old facility, but it was my office and it would, you know, somebody needed to come in for a supervised session, they would displace me, which is not a big deal. But now there are dedicated spaces for, there's two supervised edits for clients who are in who, you know, it's got the, the technician, the editor uh, is up in the back of the room, raised up on a platform, and then the client sits down in front in theater seating. So nobody's in each other's eye lines. You don't have to, you know, they're looking at the client out monitor. They're not necessarily looking over the editor's shoulders at their monitors. Uh, so it's kind of a better environment for everybody. So we've got two of those on the edit end. And we've also got, uh, you know, the ability in our main audio suite to have supervised work. So there's in that one, it's more mixed position for the for the audio engineer and then couch at the back of the room so everybody's hearing everything in kind of the optimal environment. And then we've also got two additional audio suites where you can go to do voiceover work or we actually have a dedicated Foley room now uh, where you can do Foley work, uh, mix to picture, all that good stuff. And then we've also got two color suites, one of which is supervised, so similar layout to the supervised edit suites where... We've got, you know, in that case, the lead colorist, Jen, who's sitting at the back up on the race platform, theater seating up front for the client. Yeah, and how, how many total suite edit suites are there? I believe you can, actually, you may want to edit this because let me look. <laughs> no worries. I, I like the organic stuff where people have to search and find for things and the audience gets to grip on to the drama unfolding as you search. It's very exciting. Files. It's very exciting, and it's mainly just because <laughs> we've gone back and forth about how many we count <laughs> because we did it on, uh, I think, the number of SAN connections. Yeah, so and our SAN see. is pretty awesome. It's 300 terabytes, right? And we have 320, yep, 320. Uh, probably a little under 300 usable. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's big, it's very fast, and we've got much, much better infrastructure here now. Like, if we want to get down in the, in the gear weeds, we have... Uh, gigabit right now connectivity, uh, cat six cable running to all the suites. But we also have 10 gig in the walls. We pre-wired everything and just put unterminated 10 gig so that we're future proof essentially. When wow, we get I to the point no idea where we did that, that's crazy. Oh yeah. We did all the cable runs and there's just unterminated cables that all run to the machine room. So, you know, when we're working with, you know, multi-stream 8k on the reg or you know whatever comes next we're ready to just make that switch we don't have to do cable runs all we do is crimp the end of those cables and plug them in and we're ready to go damn 
Hey, well, checking back in on our great mystery, how many edit suites do we have? <laughs> I am still searching in my email. <laughs> I want to say it's 24, but yeah. me... It's a shit ton. Let's just say 20 plus. Yeah. If we're counting, because there's, I didn't, I didn't mention animation in our discussion. There's, uh, there are also three animation suites, and those count. Uh, so if we're counting online edit suites, no, I did, oh, you know what? I the know animation where this is. suites are super cool because you can see them. Two of them, the the three D one and um, another animation suite, right through our gigantic conference room. I mean, the conference room is massive. Um, once the pandemic's over, please come over and have a drink with us. Um, but it's just a, it's a gorgeous place. It's a dream come true for sure. And Jace really led the charge on that. So props to Jace. Hang on. I know where this is. Maybe. Yeah. The, the thing what that, I'm looking for, just so you know, is that deck that you and I made recently. Oh um, yeah. I don't remember where that is. Um, I mean, it's neither 20 do I. It's it's twenty plus. Come now, by now I'm obsessed with it. I'm just I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> well, I can. Well, while you're looking, I'll, I'll go into some of the other questions. So yes, please um, do. So, um, what's the most impactful childhood memory you have that you can remember? <sighs> Jeez, a lot of them are movie theater based. I remember a lot of not necessarily like whole movies that I saw, but blips. Like I know, I remember for my, uh, my admissions essays that I wrote for film school, uh, it was all about seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater when I was yeah. four. Uh, and that just stuck with me. Like I've got, you know, very clear, like I said, not, I don't have the whole film, but I've got moments of being, you know, very small and in a dark theater and seeing this big giant screen and just being super blown away. Uh, and that definitely stuck with me, like all the way through, you know, eventually wanting to, to go to film school to have a career in, in this industry. So yeah, off for, the top of my head, that's, that's, that's a big one. For me, it was when the challenger blew up. I remember being in class yeah. when they, uh, you know, they roll the media card in. Yeah. 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 They like a TV on wheels and everybody's like, this is going to be so amazing. Let's, you're going to see, you're going to see such a special thing today. And all these little kids are like, oh, that's yeah. amazing. I want to be an astronaut. And then, Kaboom. Oh my God. It was horrible. Oh, it was so like, it was almost too. Cause yeah, I mean, you and I were around the same age. Yeah. Like you almost couldn't connect with it. It's yeah. like, I didn't quite absorb it. I was like, I know by the way people are reacting around me that that's like super crazy, but I can't quite get my hands around it. Yep. My God. Um, what's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? <sighs> Jeez, let's see. <laughs> um, gosh, most dangerous thing I've ever done. Um, I feel like, all right, we're, we're going off the record here for a second. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the right answer would be that time after Mike Peter's wedding, but we should definitely <laughs> do not want that on here. Um, geez. What's a non-lame answer? If you don't have and it, a non skip it. No, no, I've got, I mean... Yeah, I'm trying to just think if it's intentional or accidentally. Actually, okay, I've got, I, I, I have one that, uh, 
I guess for the let's, let me let me let me let me let me preface this by saying that it was it was more of a perspective thing. Uh-huh. It at the time felt like the most dangerous thing possible, and not dangerous to me. It was dangerous to my dad, yeah, which made it incredibly scary. So I was probably from talking about the Challenger, probably around that around that same age, uh, you know, like six or seven, and I was helping my dad who. He was a hotel engineer, but he used to do kind of like, you know, handyman stuff for friends of his. And he had this friend who owned an auto body shop who needed some drywall work done at his, at his home. He had this beautiful, you know, giant mansion and he was out of town. And so it was like a father son thing where it was like, all right, you're going to come help me out and we're going to go, you know, do this work over there. So he's given me different stuff to help him out with. And he had a new, like a drywall knife, which if you've ever seen one, it's like, just looks like a little saw. You know, it's got teeth, pretty sharp. And it was on a blister pack that you would like hang up on the, you know, on the rack at Home Depot. And so he gave it to me and he's like, all right, you know, you get, you get this thing open and then, you know, we'll, we'll get to work. And so he's down going through his toolbox and I'm trying to get this thing off the blister pack and I pull it and it kind of slips out of my hand and it's just, you know, perfect timing where it's pops out of my hand right as he's turning around and it just hits him like square between the eyes. Jesus. Now, not hard, you know, barely just nicked him. Yeah. But it's a head wound, like, you know, right where you're pumping a whole lot of blood. <laughs> so it bled like crazy. So it just like immediately like blood is everywhere. And I'm like, I killed my dad. <laughs> Like, I can't believe it. I just killed my dad. So like, he's fine. He's trying to calm me down. He's like, I'm okay. It's all right. He's trying to like, you know, put a handkerchief up there to stop the bleeding. But I'm just like inconsolable. I'm losing my mind. Oh my God. That's terrifying. Not not legitimately dangerous, but it felt that way at the time. Um, Would you, so this might be a little different, but, or the same. What's the stupidest thing you've ever done? Is that easier for you to come up with? Just something that you've done. Man, I've done some dumb stuff. Let's see. What a long list. Um, what's the stupidest thing I've ever done? Ah, I got a good one. Okay. Also, also from being a kid. Uh, I don't know if did you did you play PC games at all when you were a kid? A little like bit. Computer games. Leisure suit Larry right. mainly. Okay, yeah, this is this is probably around that era. So there was a game that uh, ended up being a super popular series, spawned a lot of sequels called Wing Commander. And the first Wing Commander was like my favorite computer game I used to play all the time. And I was really far into it. And I did, you know, back then you didn't have didn't have the internet. We had like BBSs. So I had to do all this research on like how to move my save game to the new computer uh, so I could finish the game. But this new computer that my dad got was much faster than the old computer and basically i got wing commander all installed on there i was ready to rock and it just ran so much faster that i couldn't play it like everything was just zooming around and like the guys would just shoot me really fast and i couldn't get it to to be playable and i so i made it my mission i was like all right i gotta figure out how to play this game because i'm not done with it like i want to finish it and so basically like i you know even back then i like to tinker with technology and I basically tried to find a way to like underclock the the CPU on the computer, like make it run slower. And I I went into the BIOS and I basically enabled a type of processing that the that the computer couldn't do, and I fried it. 
Like I fried this brand oh. new computer, fried the motherboard, trying to play this fucking game. Oh dear! Did you get in yes. trouble? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no one was no one was happy. <laughs> uh, what's the smartest thing you've ever done? Oh jeez, that's tricky too. Ah, probably married my wife. Yep, good answer. <laughs> keeps me keeps me uh, keeps me honest. Keeps me uh, keeps me sane. Is definitely. Uh, yeah, a good balancing force. Um, what did you study at school, and where did you go? I went to Boston University, and I majored in film and television production, and I have a minor in anthropology. Holy shit. I didn't know about the minor. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I use it a lot. I'm obviously <laughs> a very accomplished anthropologist. Hey, what, what do you like most about our company? Oh, man. I think I think... It boils down to, I think anyone who has a place where they're excited to go every single day uh, is just super lucky. And I think that, you know, I've never, there's never been a day, even in the, you know, the darkest, hardest times where it feels like, you know, I got, I got dread or stress about stuff, but like being around the people I work with and doing, doing what I love to do has never felt like work. It never, it never really feels like, like a chore. Like I can imagine, you know, I can, I can remember jobs growing up where, you know, you get there and you feel like you do all this shit and then you look at the clock and you're like, Oh my God, a half an hour went by. Like the days fly by here. Always, always, always. Oh, and I yeah. feel like that's, I feel like we're really lucky to have that. Yeah. That, that, that's for sure. All, always like lightning fast. Um, we talk a lot about the ECG experience and, you know, you and I over the years and, and Trey have cultivated what that means. Um, from your perspective, when you talk about the ECG experience, how do you explain it? I think that it's, uh, you know, and we were, we were just having a conversation about this the other day that it's, it's very holistic in the sense that it doesn't just apply to clients it's also an internal thing and it's also a vendor thing. It's, it's sort of all of those together. And it's just, it's a, it's a respect for people's thoughts, but also for their time. We're, you know, that's one of the things we've always prided ourselves on is we're really responsive and we're really quick. We never, even if the answer to an email or a phone call is, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm trying to find out for you. We do that as fast as possible. We never want somebody to, to be sitting there wondering. Uh, and it's the same thing with vendors who, you know, if they're, if they're sending us a bill, they want to get paid. We, you know, even if I don't know the answer, if I don't know when the client's paying us, I want to let them know like, Hey, don't worry. We're working on this. As soon as we know, you'll know. Uh, so I think communication is a big part of it. And I think it's just, you know, it's a work hard, play hard mentality. We, we obviously take what we do very, very seriously and we put everything that we have into it, but we like to have a good time. And, you know, just because you're making a great product doesn't mean that it has to be super serious feeling or rigid or, you know, like making, making creative stuff is fun and no one should suck the fun out of it. And if you're a client of ours, if you're engaging us, you're coming along for the ride. Like you're coming to have fun with us and to make a great product, but we like to do both. Yep. Absolutely. Re really good um, way to explain it. What are your favorite types of projects at ECG? I mean, a, a lot of it, I think that's exciting to me is the variety. I like, I like that it's not always the same thing and that it's constantly changing. I would say in, in recent times, I think what's really exciting is 
a lot of the stuff that we've been doing for, for Hachette Publishing, where we have a lot of creative control and we have the ability to pitch ideas and bat things around and really develop concepts. I think that's really, really fun is, you know, it's, it starts from the very bottom with creative and we're sitting in the writer's room. That's another great thing about the new office. We have a proper writer's room, uh, sitting in the writer's room, like, you know, everybody throwing stuff at the wall best idea wins sort of environment. And it's just that stuff is really exciting and collaborative. And I think it, it trickles down to the whole team, everybody, because everybody can have ownership of that. Like a lot of times we just have, you know, a book title or, or an advanced copy or a synopsis to some of these, these uh, books that are going to be coming out. And, you know, we just kind of go around the room. Does this speak to you? Is this something you're excited about? Cool. All right. You run with it. Like you own this. And it's great to be able to give, give people that kind of agency to, to really run and then develop their own creative. Yeah, it's very cool. Jace, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, really enjoyed it. It was nice to catch up because we haven't really had a ton of time to talk with the pandemic and being so busy. So, um, yeah, yeah. If people want to get, we have in touch not seen you, each other in person in a long time. <laughs> I know it's been way long, way too long. Hey, um, if people want to follow you on Instagram and the ECG Productions Instagram, what are the handles and how can people email you if they just want to chat? No problem. I can run through those right now. Uh, Instagram, I am at J-A-S-E-F-O-S. And on Facebook, I am at my last name, at M-A-R-R-A-C-C-I-N-I. ECG on Instagram, Twitter, and I believe Facebook, I believe we're all the same, is at ECG underscore productions. And if you want to email me directly, feel free. It's Jason, J-A-S-O-N, at ECGPROD.com. Thank you, everybody, for the Naked Unicorn Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin. We'll see you next time.